Hello, and welcome to Public Affairs, a broadcast by WRBH here in New Orleans. We cover all the topics that are relevant to us here as a collective in the city. And on this episode, I'm pretty excited because I'm going to be joined by Daryl Bork. Hi, Daryl. Hi. Uh, Daryl is a, f- is a two-time former Poet Laureate of Louisiana, so you were uh, appointed Laureate in 07 and 09, right, right? Right, And then he's also a former UL English professor, and he's a founding member of the Narrative for Nonprofit, which we're going to be kind of discussing today. Yes. So welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm actually a big fan of Daryl's work uh, because he kind of covers content that's relevant to the Acadiana area. He's a um, real great interpreter of place. So if that sort of stuff seems like it's your wheelhouse, definitely check him out. Um, So Narrative 4, let's get into this uh, nonprofit. I chose to feature it because it's really unique. Um, It's kind of got its tentacles going out in all directions. Yes. Uh, Narrative 4 is, uh, uh, you know, about to reach its first decade of being. Uh, It it originated uh, at the Aspen Writers Conference uh, in uh, 2012, I think. Uh, And we we gathered uh, as a group of writers uh, under the leadership and the guidance of uh, Colin McCann, who's a, a best-selling novelist, uh, an Irish-American novelist who uh, certainly identifies himself more Irish than American, (laughs) Uh, and Lisa Consiglio, uh, who's the executive director of uh, Narrative 4. And they gathered a a group of writers, uh, uh, writers, uh, international writers. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, there was a writer from North Carolina, uh, a writer from... uh, uh, Iran, who was currently living uh, in Paris at the time, uh, a, a writer from Mexico, uh, and just a, you know, a group of uh, nice uh, American and international uh, writers. And the idea was uh, to uh, create a kind of global story exchange. Uh, and, and basically, uh, they had this idea uh, that if we begin to enter into other people's stories, uh, we it's impossible to feel alienated or impossible to feel other uh, when you actually enter into somebody else's story. Uh, and so they, they have been working. Take that uh, in, audience. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've, they've been working with, uh, with youth primarily. And primarily they go to... Uh, sort of uh, trauma sites uh, in the world, uh, but not exclusively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they uh, have gone, they have programs in Ireland, uh, programs uh, in Israel. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they get Israeli and Palestinian children to tell each other stories, and it becomes mm-hmm. a really uh, powerful thing. Uh, and, and the whole idea is for, uh, you know, an Israeli child uh, to narrate in first person uh, a traumatic experience, uh, you know, that a Palestinian child uh, has had. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was my first introduction to this nonprofit. Um, you had a cover article in the 64 Parishes uh, magazine, which is a production of the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. Guys. Right. Uh, and in the interview, you mentioned this nonprofit, and you said, um, you said the way it works is you pair with someone and you each tell each other a story and then you switch and tell each other each other's story and it's supposed to have an identity merging effect. 
when I read that, I was just yes, <laughs> I was just obsessed from that point on because yeah. I'd never. It's so simple. I'd never really. Yeah, and one considered. of the most exciting things is that uh, you know th- there are some uh, adults who come into the story exchange, teachers and sponsors uh, of the children who may be uh, brought into the exchange, and and they participate. Uh, you know, everybody's on equal footing. Uh, you know, Col- Colum yeah. McCann might be uh, connected with uh, you know a fifteen-year-old. South African girl, woman, uh, and uh, and and so when he begins to tell that story, he he says, you know, I am Michaela, what, uh, whatever, uh, fifteen years old from Cape Town, uh, and and just takes the story uh, from there, and it can be uh, it can be both a, a disquieting thing uh, and and a really healing thing, you know. In the first story exchange, I remember one of the sort of points of levity that we had was that we had a roll of toilet paper uh, that we threw around the room as people began to cry when they were telling other people's stories. Uh, oh and by God. the end of the session, you know, we had we had used more than one roll. <laughs> I was determined not to cry. I actually did the story change, and I, and I just remember thinking, like, before I was headed there, and I was just preparing myself for a lot of emotion, and I was like, I wonder how many people are going to cry. But yeah. it, we kept yeah. it, you know. Yeah. We yeah. kept it pretty, it uh, wasn't too overwhelming. Yeah. And the, the wonderful thing about Narrative 4 is not crying is okay mm-hmm. and crying is yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, The Kleenex was there, though, just yeah. in case. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned the healing effect because I think uh, one of the essential aspects of healing that doesn't, you know, get uh, a lot of focus is being witnessed. Yes. So, you know, you don't really hear that much yeah. talk about, you know, witnessing, being witnessed, but it's, you know, you can't really heal without that. So. Uh, that's right. I, I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, a particular idea uh, uh, about healing and the whole healing process. And one of the things that, that I've introduced in st- to some of the work that I've done with practitioners and healers uh, in Acadiana is, is to point out that, that, first of all, you have to recognize the wound. Uh, and uh, and in recognition of the wound, you go to somebody else with the wound, yeah. <laughs> and and that you know that's the witnessing mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you you uh, sort of acknowledge it to yourself, uh, and then go go and present it to somebody. Uh, and in the in the presentation, the healing almost immediately begins. And it's interesting because one of the things that I learned when I did it is uh, you get. A new, uh, a really great um, added kind of depth of understanding about the whole process uh, of interpretation. So mm-hmm. when you hear the other person tell you your story, you kind of, you know, there's going to be some things that sure, quite don't sure. match up. That's right. So you kind of understand like, oh, okay, well, if I if I tell my story and I leave this little space open, then they're going to, you know, interpret it whichever way. So it kind of helps you to... Um, Kind of gel, I guess, your own yeah, story a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and and not only that, it it helps you to understand the way the world works. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> you know, that is a good uh, point. Because uh, because uh, you know y- you have a story, and mm-hmm. you know you think you, I mean, you know your version, uh, but but you have to realize that when you know, even if you articulate that version of your story very, very carefully. There are going to be uh, gaps and holes that are created in the listener, uh, you know, in the mind of the listener. Uh, And that's always a good thing to Mm -hmm. keep in mind, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you 
talking to your partner, when you're talking to your children, when you're talking to your parents, they're not always going to hear exactly (laughs) exactly what you're saying. You have to to account for the holes that are going to be created in the telling. Um, And it's... And another interesting fact I want to bring up, I think you had mentioned, uh, when you hear another person's story, it's uh, hard to feel alien. Um, yes. So yes. Uh, I guess Narrative 4 figured out, you know, from all these people's stories that they had been collecting that they once distilled, they kind of spoke to five major themes. Yes. So and those were environment, identity, immigration, faith, and violence. So in doing research, uh, I, you know, realized I had to go look up the definition of identity. Yeah. Um, and so the first three words that Google pulled up were sameness, oneness, and congruence. Um, and if we were to kind of break these down a little bit more, when they're talking about sameness, I think they're ref- referring to um, essential character in different instances. Mm-hmm. Um, oneness, I guess, an objective reality. So I was kind of breaking that apart. Yeah. Kind of helps yeah. to understand what you really kind of sort of gain, or I guess the mechanics for how um, it helps you understand the world, right? Right, right. And and one of the interesting things about uh, that uh, is that uh, you have that idea of sameness and oneness, which is a part of the formula for creating uh, identity. But as you're creating that idea of sameness and oneness, you're in a world uh, articulating and and letting that sameness and oneness be manifest in an environment where the uh, there are people all around you that are not that. Yeah, it's great. it brings me back into <laughs> yeah. when I looked up the opposite of identity. It was dis- the uh, opposite word, the antonym. It was disparity. D- disparity. That's so that's right. kind of perfect. It kind of shows you yeah. why this is a nonprofit venture. <laughs> yeah, disparity <laughs> yeah. and and other and mm-hmm. and that's. Part of the mission of narrative for uh, is to sort of deconstruct this idea of of other and how other works, uh, you know, as a sociological, cultural, uh, you know, whatever uh, yeah, that, element. It's great that we're having uh, people kind of leading this initiative because yeah. it's something that you know, with all your stress of your everyday life, the normal person isn't really going to be sitting home like, oh, well, let me deconstruct the right, uh, other. Right, right, right. It's just something that's so easy to overlook and miss. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the whole idea of, you know, sociological uh, examination and, uh, you know, deconstruction and so forth, that all gets left at the door uh, mm-hmm. when you start that story and you say, uh, you know, I'm uh, Zinzala mm-hmm. uh, from South Africa. Uh, my hometown is Cape Town. There's no... You know, none of that other stuff comes yeah, in then, yeah, you're just uh, when talking. the first-person narrative begins to take over. It was yeah. helpful, too, because, uh, I, you know, I did the, uh, as I mentioned, I did the uh, story facilitator training, which was held at NOMA. It was NOMA uh-huh. put it on. Um, and it was really great how there was a larger group, but we broke off into groups of 10. Yes. And so we separated. So, you, you know, you just have to be telling your story and the other person's story to a group of 10. So there's a little bit of, like, intimacy. Yeah. And uh, like you said, when you start telling the story, it doesn't really feel like you're doing this complicated thing. You're just kind yeah. of talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. They usually, in in the past, I've seen the demonstration and usually, you know, Lee Keelock, uh, you know, who's who's one of the master trainers uh, and somebody else will get up on stage and uh, demonstrate, you know, how the story exchange is going to take place. If I had to get up on stage and do that 
before a whole auditorium of people, I mean, I, I would be dumbstruck, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but when you break up into that group of 10, uh, it's so much less intimidating. And uh, so this is uh, a list of kind of positives of this whole experience. Um, and it, I'm reminded of it because one of the things it's supposed to do is help develop public speaking skills. Yes. So that's always good to develop, you know, no yeah. matter what age, I guess you are. Right. right. Um, so it also said it helps you develop active listening skills, too, which is a right. active listening is complicated process. Right. Half yeah. the time I'm just like, that's too hard. I'm not going to inactively listen. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a great reader of, uh, of Thich Nhat Hanh, the uh, Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Uh, and, you know, he keeps going back to that idea uh, of listening, of deep mm-hmm. listening. Uh, you know, and, and active listening. And it's it's difficult. It, you know, it's as, di- it's as difficult as anything uh, in the practice of Buddhism. It's just to shut all of your stuff down so that you can hear what's being said. Yeah, I, I uh, looked at the steps of that, and there were 10 whole steps. I'm like, 10 whole steps to active listening. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you think it's a, kind of a passive thing, but not yeah, really. Yeah, um, so it also listed peer-to-peer learning as one of the pluses. Right. Um, improved self-reflection and self-awareness is always good. You know? Yeah, and it, that's one of the things that really is pretty amazing when you uh, talk to the, the young people who have gone uh, through the narrative uh, for uh, experience. They're, they become so much more aware of, of their voice in the world uh, and so much more aware of that kind of uh, necessity of self-reflection. Uh, you know, that that's, that's such an important uh, component of communication. Yeah. yeah, and especially once you kind of get into the whole fact uh, that all your perceptions are, are just storytelling so you know when you think you're experiencing reality you're kind of building a narrative right so you know when you're uh kind of honing those narrative building skills it's just can have a whole change in your just you know not not just your whole outlook i guess you could say you build kind of changing your reality that you create for yourself and you know you you bring up an interesting point we have an experience and and we think you know, this is reality. This was me in an experience, and this is reality. But it was just an experience. Yeah, yeah like you, <laughs> you just know, built it. Yeah. You didn't define reality by having that experience. Yeah, you, you communicating know. your experience to yourself kind That's of in right. your head. That's right. Um, and another thing that I found was pretty interesting, uh, coming back to this reality, is about to get real deep with this quote here. Yeah. When I was looking up the uh, definition of identity, it had also a mathematical version of the definition, uh-huh. which was an equation that is satisfied by all values of the symbols. And my mind is still kind of blown from that one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the audience might want to hear it phrased in that way, too. Yeah. Repeat, repeat that. It, a mathematical equation. An equation that is satisfied by all values of the symbols. By all the values of the symbols. symbols. Uh, And and if we begin to think of, uh, you know, of the world or of relationships uh, in those terms, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that that can be a kind of life changing uh, experience to, to begin to see. Uh, you know, that what you're trying to do is to represent all the values in the equation. Dude, i got to say, once once I finally made that switch over and I started kind of perceiving reality in the symbolic form, sometimes I just wish I could go back because it's like yeah. you see everything, yeah. you understand everything so right. much better. You know? Right, right. But yeah, blessing and a curse, that one. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then so one of the other ways that it would describe identity was, you know, one's mental model of oneself. So let's uh, maybe talk about the summit, because that's kind of what you're in town for, right? Right, it, it is, yeah. The summit the summit kicks off at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, we're uh, in the Audubon Room uh, at Loyola University. That's where uh, the, the uh, young people and, you know, some of the sponsors and teachers uh, who come in uh, are housed uh, in a dormitory at Loyola, and our basic meeting room uh, is there. And we have all kinds of... Uh, you know, all kinds of things that uh, take place there. Uh, but tonight we, we start off with a, a kind of informal uh, dinner, and I'm going to uh, kick off the conference by uh, talking to them a little bit, welcoming them to Louisiana. Uh, you know, because, to do it, yeah. <laughs> right, because they're, uh, you know, they're uh, uh, young people coming in uh, from Ireland and Mexico and uh, South Africa and uh, Tel Aviv and Nazareth. Uh, one of the things uh, that was sort of an unexpected surprise uh, last year uh, is that I met uh, a teacher, Lily Curry, uh, and her student, Malak, uh, who, uh, who were part of the Narrative 4 experience uh, last year. And both of them are coming back. And it's like, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing them Catching again, up, yeah, uh, seeing them again in the way that you uh, have that kind of excited anticipation about seeing uh, a family member uh, oh, wow. again. But we we uh, uh, we kick the summit off uh, tonight, uh, and then the the activities for the next five days are sort of story exchange activities and. Uh, sort of reminding the teachers and the sponsors who are coming in with them uh, what kinds of things, you know, they need to keep sharp in their own heads as they uh, do these story exchange experiences uh, with their students. Uh, and then and then introducing returning students and new students, because that's always uh, a part of the summit. Uh, the summit brings at least half of, of uh, you know, a group of students who have already had the experience. Uh, so they're not apprentices anymore. You know, they the master uh, facilitators. They're not they're, yeah. And and they you know, they they. Uh, you know, they sort of know the walk uh, uh, and they can uh, introduce the new people uh, who are coming in. And then uh, <clears throat> they uh, have uh, experiences with with creating art, with creating stories out of art. Uh, one of the emphasis for this particular summit will be music and how songs shape uh, our identity, how songs uh shape culture uh, and so forth. So we've all been asked to bring a song, uh, wow. you know, to the summit. I noticed uh, uh, for the, they have a public story exchange that they're doing at NOMA right. uh, on the 23rd. Right. And uh, it said uh, they're going to be using any piece of, you know, art that's in the museum as a story prompt. Right. I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love and, that. You know, they do they do that. Uh that the uh ekphrastic uh tradition uh in poetry and in, in storytelling uh is as, as old as literature is uh in what we call the Western world. Uh one of the first examples of that kind of using a piece of art uh to tell a story or to help tell a story uh, appears in Homer's The Iliad, where uh mm -hmm. the, the speaker is uh describing the shield of Achilles. And so uh, we, we do that with the kids. We make them look at a piece of art and see uh, if it generates a story uh, for them. Uh, um, yeah. 
you remind me of this quote. I had meant to tell you guys, audience, I kind of wanted to open with it, but I think it definitely speaks to what you're saying. Uh, it was the James Baldwin quote. And it says, uh, but you also have the storyteller who recounts the event. And this is the one who survives, who outlives all the others. It is the storyteller, in fact, who makes us what we are, who creates history. The storyteller creates the memory that survivors must have. Otherwise, surviving would have no meaning. This is very, very important. Memory is necessary if surviving is going to be more than just a technical thing. Surviving so like more than said, just a technical yeah, thing. So yeah. I feel like uh, the Iliad, they're just trying to give yeah. us the, uh, yeah. help so, us survive almost. Yeah. Survival, survival uh, you know, d- d- uh, draws uh, art into the equation. It draws art uh, into the formula. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, Baldwin is one of the great, Master storytellers uh, of our time. Yeah, it's like yeah. we you would have you got to have the story to have the memory. And could yeah. you imagine if we yeah. the memories weren't there? Yeah, Oof. right, right. You know, would be up a what yeah. was that quote? Would be up a uh, yeah, up a creek yeah. <laughs> without a paddle. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and, and one of the uh, bringing that up about the, you know the importance of. Uh, of memory, uh, one of the things that we try to do uh, in narrative for is to uh, sort of uh, tap into those memories that that are embedded in us Ooh. and that we're not aware of, Ooh, uh, yeah. you know, and and let uh, you know let memory uh, give you the permission to bring that story forward. Wow, I'm so uh, glad there's people working on that, these yeah. missions. These are big ones, yeah. Right, right. And and it reminds me that, you know, one of the theories of the origin of, of poetry uh, is that, that all poetry comes from memory, oh. uh, you know, and that the, the mother of the muses, whose name was Nemausene, uh, is translated as memory. I've always wanted to know how you pronounce yeah. that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm not really sure that I have that pronunci- uh, pronunciation you said, uh, you you know, correctly in Greek. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, her being the, the mother of the muses. Uh, so when we, uh, when we sing sacred songs, when we sing songs of the earth, when we sing uh, love songs, uh, you know, they're, they're uncoverings of memory, some kind of deep Ooh. cultural memory. Ooh, I just got the tingles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of my favorite topics. Yeah. Um, so let's maybe go, we'll go through the list of kind of some events that are happening, uh, some of the public events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you guys just did a book mobile tour. Yeah, this was uh, this was part of a project. It was uh, called Poetry to the People, uh, and uh, and it's an ongoing project. It was uh, sort of uh, connected with uh, Narrative Four for this particular summit. So ten days ago, the. Uh, House of Speakeasy and Narrative Four sponsored Bookmobile left Brooklyn uh, with a bookload of books. Uh, I mean, a, a truckload of books, uh, and uh, and came to. Uh, I mean, they've stopped first in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Columbus and. Kentucky and yes, uh, day before yesterday they were in Jackson, uh, Mississippi, uh, where uh, I understand they gave out fifteen hundred books. Wow. Uh, and then yesterday uh, they came into Louisiana at noon. They were at Acadiana Cares, which is an HIV uh, 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 AIDS. Uh, center, uh, both an education center and a rehabilitated uh, center, uh, and uh, they gave books out there, and then at 4 o'clock we moved to Orneville, uh, Louisiana, and uh, there was a whole town participation uh, in giving out 
home turf out there? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you were home turf too, right? You live yes, in Church indeed. Point, correct? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah I'm just a few miles from uh, from Orneville. So we we did that yesterday, uh, and then the, the bookmobile uh, then came into New Orleans to sort of join with the summit, and they're going to be distributing books uh, at the NOMA event on Sunday, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and then that, that's the end of the House of Speakeasy narrative for uh, book giveaway poetry to the people uh, tour, but then they immediately launch on another tour uh, and go somewhere else and, uh, you know, distribute books. Wow, I'm so... Yeah. Uh, and these so are books that are given away free. Uh, I'm so sad I missed that one. Yeah. Love a good book. Yeah. Um, all right, so I guess we're coming to our end here, but um, I guess maybe a word we can leave the audience with is... Uh, Anyone can try this story exchange. Sure. You know, basically, sure. now that you've seen all these yeah. benefits, and yeah. the public is invited to the new to the NOMA event uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, if, you can check the Narrative Four website and uh, or the NOMA uh, website, and uh, there's going to be an, a story exchange from two to four, uh, which the public is invited to. Uh, and then there's going to be a night of music and literature. And uh, the the music uh, element, uh, we have an Irish uh, fiddler, uh, Combe, who is going to be uh, leading some of the uh, music. Uh, and a New Orleanian, uh, Bruce Sunpie Barnes, uh, is going to uh, inject a little zydeco element oh, nice. uh, into the deal uh, and then they always bring in a new orleans brass band oh, uh, wow. and so they that sunday activity which is from about six to six on uh you know involves music and dance and some sacred songs everybody celebrating yeah. celebrating and uh you know dancing in the aisles yeah it's, uh, a, yeah, it's a, a happy celebration to close uh that part of the summit uh and then we bring the kids and the teachers back to loyola uh and the next morning they start with they start a doing new their, phase of learning new phase more of the about, project yeah yeah all right well yeah definitely public uh you know, your, your story deserves to be part of the uh, larger, larger story. So, sure. you know, try and make it out there and share, share, go be witness to all that good stuff. Um, so thanks for coming, Daryl. Oh, thanks for having me. Anne. All right. Enjoy that summit. Um, and that was our show for today. Once again, that was Daryl Bork. And thank you for listening to Public Affairs on WRBH 88.3 FM. Be sure to tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. and Sundays at 8 a.m. for more Public Affairs. And don't forget, you can also listen at our website, um, our SoundCloud archives, or you can download the official WRBH app. Thanks.